At ADP, we understand the importance of building the right team and offer the data insights to help. Just as importantly, our AI technology helps you pay the team accurately. Grow stronger with ADP. HR, talent, time, and payroll. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the Zero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. You're listening to Wellness Talk with your host, George Batista. is everyone today? This is George and this is Wellness Talk. I'm glad you guys could be with me this week. Wellness Talk, as always, is the show that goes over the latest in health, healing, nutrition, fitness, natural news, and everything we can do to uh, live a longer, happier, and healthier life naturally. I uh, hope everyone's had a good week and, uh, and a good uh, 2013 so far. Okay, so Wellness Talk, as always, is for educational purposes only. It is not intended as a substitute for professional medical advice of any kind. It is not intended to treat, diagnose, prevent, cure an illness. So please always, always, and I mean always, consult your doctor when wanting to make major changes in health and undergo any health programs. GeorgeBatista.com is the website if you want to talk with me as well as uh, the articles that I post, and, or if you want to ask me some questions, facebook.com forward slash wellness talk. Okay, so we're going to get right into the articles this week. Uh, the first one is, this is actually from NBC News, uh, and uh, it's, it's from the Today Health section. You know, it's always nice when um, mainstream news and media actually ca- kind of catches up with the <laughs> with the alternative community or the natural health community, you know, even if they're years behind. But anyway, this is um, this is entitled "Fast Food Linked to Asthma and Allergies," and I don't think this is any surprise to many of us in the health field. But they, it, this was a big study, and this is one of the reasons why I'm actually um, I wanted to address this because. This is a pretty big study. Now, basically, the article says this. Uh, this is by Maggie Fox. And uh, this is the gigantic study looks at 400,000 kids from 51 countries. It found that teens who ate the most fat, uh, the, I'm sorry, the most fast food were 39% more likely to have severe asthma. Younger children who ate the most fast food were 27% more likely to have severe asthma, the researchers reported in the journal Thorax. Now, uh, children who ate three, uh, and again, this uh, I'm quoting from the article, uh, children who ate three or more servings of fruits, uh, fruit a week 
which is far below the two or three servings a day that experts recommend eating, were 11 to 14% less likely to have severe symptoms. Now, it says here, and this was a quote, um, and uh, the quote says, our research, our results suggest that fast food consumption may be contributing to the increasing prevalence of asthma, rhinoconjunctivitis, and eczema in adolescents and children. So that's, that's pretty interesting. Now, the findings were consistent in rich and poor countries among boys and girls, and in, in uh, many different societies across Europe, Africa, and, uh, the Americas, and Asia. Uh, the researchers define they, they define severe asthma as four or more attacks of wheezing in the past year, or at least one attack every week. So that's what they consider the asthma, which is you know either way, still a, a problem. So um, this is you know this is pretty pretty significant because if you if you think about it, and, you know, and 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 this is only part of the problem. Okay, the you know, and uh, I'm gonna kind of segue into something else here, but this is just part of the problem because we know that food does, or at least fast food and bad food, does contribute to you know a lot of the disease out there. And in my opinion, you know, a good majority of the disease out there, and obviously the typical Western diet that a lot of kids uh, are eating these days, and teenagers and even adults as well, is is just not helping. But you know. The more westernized a lot of countries get, uh, you know, you're seeing f- a lot of fast food chains now in all these different countries that usually never had them before. Uh, the more prevalence of, you know, asthma and heart attacks and obesity a lot of those countries get as well. So uh, many countries are following along. But to me, this is just one of the issues. And, the, the, you know, I mean, yes, this is good that it's finally actually catching on a little bit and maybe. Maybe there'll be more, um, you know. Maybe they'll be, they'll be more inclined to actually start, you know, talking about maybe fixing the diets or at, le- or at least, you know, making people more aware than they are now of of how diets are really hurting people. But um, I think again, this is part of the problem because I think another part of this problem is the increased use of antibiotics, and I've talked about this as well. Because we know that there have been many, many studies that found uh, that found that even a single course of antibiotics given within the first six months of life, because now they've been giving antibiotics to to babies and you know young kids and babies, a single course of antibiotics given within the first six months of life results in fifty two percent increased risk of developing asthma by age six. Okay, so I think part of the problem is the is the diet, but I think it's also the way Western medicine is just giving out antibiotics to young children uh, like it's candy. Um, and and a lot of the reason is because not only do diets contribute to um, digestive problems, but also antibiotics can uh, contribute to digest- digestive problems. Now, if you think about it, you know, antibiotics, um, you know, can contribute to, you know, overgrowth of candida albicans, uh, you know, and just, you know, germ gangs and all different types of things in, in kids' digestive tracts. And that, we know that it generates, a anti, uh, it generates an inflammatory compound called an oxylipin, 
which uh, they've actually shown, and the researchers at the University of Michigan shown that it uh, can cause respiratory inflammation and asthma because the, the oxylipin actually travels up and causes inflammation in the, in the chest. So, so that, I think that is part of the problem as well. I think um, a lot of the asthma epidemic in the United States specifically has been linked to you know, antibiotic use and or the bad food. So, um, but anyway, it's good to see that it's in the mainstream media finally, and they're actually doing some, some big studies on this because it is a problem. It's, it's a huge problem for young children these days now. I mean, if, you know, the, I, mean, I don't know exactly what the, uh, the statistics are, but the kids that are now, not only young kids now that are having asthma is, is in epidemic proportions besides obesity and everything else. So uh, hopefully they can address this more. More studies will come out like this. And, um, and uh, you know, maybe, maybe kids or, or at least parents will start cleaning up their kids' diets a little bit. So, um, but I thought this was very interesting. All right. Um, next, again, we're in the throes of the cold and flu season. And um, I'm going to talk about one of the nutrients this week. I'm going to have two nutrients this week, actually. Uh, but one of the nutrients this week that actually is pretty helpful or can be helpful with the uh, cold and flu season is bovine colostrum. Now, what is bovine colostrum, you ask? Well, this is from wellnessresources.com, uh, Byron Richards. Bovine colostrum, basically what it is, it's the, uh, it's the compound that is in uh, mother's milk or in mother's breast milk, basically. It's the, it's, the, um, it's the compound that, you know, the mother passes on to the child uh, when the, you know, especially, you know, when breastfeeding is occurring and it helps to build up the child's immunity. Now, bovine colostrum, I'm, I'm just going to talk a little bit about it here. Um, it has, na- it's, it's got, as you know, it has obviously natural antibodies and, uh, studies have demonstrated that it is also, un- has a, it has unique carbohydrate structures. Now the, the, the interesting, the, 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 the reason why I'm bringing this up is specifically for the cold and flu season, because number one, it's, it's, it's been, it's been shown, um, and identified for its immune boosting activity. And uh, it's been shown in the past, as far as studies, to actually help to combat the flu. And obviously, and a lot of other viruses and bacteria and that type of thing has been shown to be very effective. So, but one thing, one compound that it has, which is very interesting, one of the carbohydrate structures it has is sialic acid. Now, what is sialic acid? Sialic acid is basically, um, it's found, it's, it's, a, it's a form of concentrated whey protein that um, offers a significant protection. And what it does is when you ingest it, um, when it's in your system, it's very clever. It acts as like a decoy to viruses. So, for example, when a virus or, you know, let's say you have a virus inside you or something like that or, you know, uh, something's just going to start to replicate. Basically, what it does in a nutshell is it goes and in, in, infects your cell, it looks for the sialic acid on your cell that's attached to your cell, and it binds to it. Then the um, <clears throat> the uh, virus actually goes inside the cell, starts to replicate. Then it comes and detaches from the cell and actually goes onto another cell and does the same thing and eventually starts to make thousands of copies of itself. And that's how you get, 
you know, in a nutshell, the um, the spreading of the virus around the body and the cells and so on and so forth. Well, the, the studies now have shown that sialic acid, when it's taken, for example, in colostrum, um, it acts as a decoy. So basically, if you do have a virus inside you, it actually sees the sialic acid and it actually goes to bind to the sialic acid. The difference being that the sialic acid from the colostrum is not attached to a cell. So what it does is it binds onto the sialic acid and uh, when, it's, when it doesn't have its cell, it's basically trapped there, okay? And it's bound up and it's rendered inert. And now it cannot pull off the sialic acid. And from that point, it's basically ushered out of the body with, without a problem. So that's how, that's how colostrum, or that's one of the ways that colostrum actually helps with viral activity. Because again, it acts as a decoy for virus. Because you think about it, you know, a, a young baby especially, um, you know, you don't want a young baby having to fight off a very serious viral infection, especially when they don't have, a, you know, uh, they haven't boosted or they don't have an immune system for the first six months. So um, this this is very very good for you know a young baby, but it's good for anybody. So, silent you know, at the end of the day, colostrum is available in a in certain forms uh, of of supplement form, but it's a good way to you know to not only boost immunity in general, but also to act as again as like a decoy to the cold and flu. So um, those of you, you know, who, who are susceptible to that, you may want to take a look at colostrum and, um, and see if it can uh, help you out, especially in the cold and flu season. Okay, next, this is from Science Daily. This is mindfulness, mindfulness meditation may relieve chronic inflammation. Now, those of you who are... Um, who are you know into meditation like I am uh, on a regular basis? You'll be happy to know that there's some good studies here regarding uh, chronic inflammation. I'm going to you know quote uh, this study here. This was a study compared two methods of reducing stress: uh, a mindfulness meditation-based approach and a program designed to enhance health in in ways unrelated to mindfulness. Now. The comparison group participated in the health in the health uh, enhancement program, which consisted of nutritional education, uh, you know, physical activities such as like walking, balance, agility, and core strengthening, and music therapy. The content of the program was meant to match aspects of mindfulness instruction in some way. So, for example, physical exercise was meant to match walking meditation. Uh, without the mindfulness, but it, it, without the mindfulness component to it, uh, both groups had the same amount of training, the same level of expertise of instructors, and the same amount of home practice required by participants. Okay, so now this is what they found here, and uh, they um, they they could see definite changes. But using a tool called the tr- the Trier social, social Stress Test. Um, to induce psychological stress and a capsicin cream to produce inflammation on the skin, immune and endocrine measures were collected before and after training in the two methods. 
While both techniques were proven effective in reducing stress, the mindfulness-based stress reduction approach was more effective at reducing stress and induced inflammation. So that's interesting. So it says here the results show that behavioral intervention um, designed to reduce emotional reactivity are beneficial to people suffering from chronic inflammatory conditions. So what this means in lay language is this. If you are regularly uh, de-stressing, which is what I always advocate on this show, um, as one of the components to health, um, you know, I, I talk about diet and exercise just being, you know, half, at least half of the overall picture as far as getting yourself healthy. But the other part of it is de-stressing, because again, you can have the um, you could have all the, the best diet in the world. You could do all the exercise you can. But if you're not getting rid of inflammation in regards to stress, um, you're, you're, still, you're still creating tons of inflammation, high cortisol levels and high blood pressure and all these different types of things. So you've got to learn how to de-stress. So those of you who are using meditation... Or, you know, or at least some some form of it because, you you know, even things like yoga is kind of like a, a moving meditation. Those of you who are using those type of therapies to help yourselves as far as de-stressing, you're doing yourself a, a, a world of good. Because now the science is behind you basically saying that even in states of chronic inflammation, whether, you know, internal inflammation or external inflammation, mindfulness has been shown to help relieve this so this is this is this is good news now here's the thing you know most people are so wound up going so fast doing so many things they're just not giving themselves time to relax and even meditate you know i always say look just take five minutes out of your day at the end of the day or even in the beginning of your day just to center yourself just to just to relax just to get yourself uh you know, just to just to just to calm and 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 calm your mind, be in the present moment at that time. You know, just be there. And and here's the thing: it's not when you do it that time that's going to create all the difference. Okay, because you have to understand that you're not going to see the difference when you do it. You know, a couple of times. You're not going to see the difference when you do it for a week, maybe for a month. It's you you're you're going to see the difference long term. And it's going to be a subtle difference. It's not going to be, you know, you're not going to be floating on a cloud in a couple of months. You're going to see a subtle difference maybe over a year, maybe even two years. But you have to give yourself that time to do it. Then you're going to start to notice that you are, if you're, if you're doing this on a regular basis, um, consistency is the key as, uh, to everything. But if you're doing it on a regular basis, you're going to see yourself react to situations differently. Uh, and again, it may be subtle, but you're going to see yourself react. You're going to see yourself maybe not react, or maybe you're going to um, you're going to be calmer in a situation that you would normally be overly excited about. So these are things that you have to really think about. But again, you have to give yourself enough time. And again, those of you who are dealing with chronic inflammation or stress, or even even you're dealing with an illness or or you know some kind of condition that you that you've been battling for a long time sit there and meditate 5 10 minutes cuz i guarantee you doing it over time and it's again it's been proven doing it over time relaxing yourself bringing yourself back down 
and 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 uh, slowing everything down, slowing your mind down, um, you you're you're really doing you're you're not only causing differences in your brain and your brain patterns, but remember your brain is connected to your body. The body and the brain are are, are one, and um, you're gonna you're going to you're going to um, you know you're going to help yourself uh, not only in your brain but in your body. So. Um, this is this is this is good. You know, being mindful is the other thing. You want to be mindful of what you're doing. And and another thing I tell people to do is just start being mindful of what you're doing in the moment. Okay? Whatever it is, whether it's your cooking, whether it's your, you know, that's a form of meditation as well. Even when you're working out or if you're you're playing with your kids, when you're playing with your children, Play with your children. Be with your children. Don't do anything. Don't be on the phone and doing 20 other things. You know, be be there at that moment. Other things will get done. You know, when you're at work, be at work. When you're, you know, when you're writing, write. When you're playing, play. You know, the, the Buddhists talk about this all the time. You know, when, you know, when you're seeing, see. When you're hearing, hear. This is very important. Because this also trains your mind to be in the present moment. Because we're so busy seeing and looking and doing and thinking and thinking. The mind's going and going and going. You're multitasking. But at the end of the day, what are you really doing? Yeah, you're getting you know 27 things done, but you're not paying attention to any of them. So, you know, meditation is key. Mindfulness is key. Um, being in the present moment. And all these things combined... With the you know with an overall comprehensive program will help to de-stress and get rid of inflammation. So that's just my tip for for today. Okay, next this is the second uh, nutrient that I want to talk about this week: the many health benefits of avocado. How about that? Something we you know something people eat sometimes on a regular basis. Something many people do not eat. Well, avocado is one of the best things you can eat um, overall in general. Uh, so I'm just going to go over a few health benefits of it, and I think it's something you, sh- you should definitely um, you know, put into your diet as much as possible. Now, avocados are actually a fruit. Did you know that? Many people don't know that. They're actually classified as a fruit. Um, they are rich in monosaturated fat, that is easily burned for energy. This is one of the best fats you can get. And I don't want to hear that I can't, you know, I have to eat a low-fat diet. That's, that, that myth is, is, is come and gone, okay? This is good fat. This is fat that you should be having. Um, avocado, it provides close to 20 essential health-boosting nutrients, including potassium, vitamin E, B vitamins, and folic acid so this is this is um this is good stuff let's let's talk about what are the things about avocado fiber avocado contains fiber right that's very very good um avocados are low in fructose and let's see what else here we have we have some studies on the benefits of avocado so let's go let's go through it Okay, researchers in Japan suggest this powerful fruit may also help to protect against liver damage. Imagine that, avocado protecting against liver damage. Why? In one study, laboratory rats were fed avocado and 22 other fruits. 
The rats were then given D galact. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to try to say this D galactosamine galactosamine, which is a, a potent liver toxin that interferes with cell synthesis and results in cell death. The rats fed avocado suffered the least amount of liver damage. Now, the chemical-induced liver injuries resemble those caused by viruses, so the researchers suggested that avocado could potentially offer support in the treatment of viral hepatitis. How about that? So, that's that's pretty good for uh, for avocado. I mean, my suggestion to you, uh, those of you who want to get avocado in your diet, um, you know, put it in put it in a uh, put it in a salad. Avocado goes great in a really big salad. I love doing that. I get myself a nice big salad for lunch, and I throw avocado in it. And man, it's it's fantastic. I know I'm getting good fats in it, and um, it's 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 one of the healthiest things you can do. Um, now, keep in mind that the greatest concentration of beneficial carotenoids in is in the dark green fruit of the avocado. So the close, it's the part that's closest to the peel. So use the uh, you know you use the basically the nick and peel method to maximize the benefits of your avocado. Okay, so just make sure you try to get all the nutrients that are closest, you know, to the peel, and um, and that, you know that's the best way to eat it. But avocado is a great thing. Uh, I hope you guys really take advantage of it and um, you know eat as much of it as you can because it's the best fat you can get. All right. Next. This is from Dr. Joseph Mercola. And this is an article he did, which is I thought this was very interesting. And this is very important, actually. This is confirmed. Fructose can increase your hunger and lead to overeating. Well, we know that high fructose corn syrup right now is one of the biggest, uh, one of the biggest things out there that is causing, you know, problems. And... Um, you know what I am seeing a lot of now in in supermarkets, and I'm sure you know I'm sure many of you have, have seen it out there as well, is now every, pretty much every company that manufactures, whether it's a bread or a juice or a whatever, is coming out with a no high fructose corn syrup version. So this is good because this is actually starting to catch on now, and and they're realizing that there's a market for this because the more people now realize that you know. Um, they shouldn't be consuming this every single day. Um, that's going to help turn the tide a little bit and help be- people become more healthy. So let's talk about why this can lead to hunger and overeating. Well, scientists using newer functional magnetic resonance imaging, or MRI, tests have now shown that fructose, a sugar found in most processed foods, typically in the form of high fructose corn syrup, which we were just talking about, can actually tr- uh, can in fact trigger changes in the brain that may lead to overeating and weight gain. So now, there's been this big debate, obviously, in the, in the past couple of years of you know fructose and how is it different than, than regular table sugar. And we also, I'm sure we, many of you saw the commercials now, the you know some of the organizations that produce high fructose corn syrup saying, no, we're the same thing as sugar and stuff. And no, you're not. You're not. Okay, so let's let's talk about it. All sugars are not equal. Now, again, I'm quoting here. Uh, even though they uh, contain the same amount of calories, but they are metabolized differently. Table sugar is sucrose, which is half fructose, half glucose. 
High fructose corn syrup is 55% fructose and 45% glucose. So some, you know, many nutrition experts say this sweetener may pose uh, special risks, but others in the industry claim, you know, reject that claim. So that's why we have the big problem. But now here's some studies here. 20 healthy adults were included in the featured study published in the Journal uh, of the American Medical Association on January 2nd. And the MRI was used to measure the hypothalamus response when the volunteers consumed the bever- a beverage containing identical amounts of either fructose or glucose. So now you have you have uh, you know healthy adults uh, consuming either fructose or glucose. Okay, so either you know fructose or regular sugar, and it was about seventy-five grams. The two drinks were given in random order to all participants using. Uh, during the testing sessions spaced eight months apart. Now, now understand that your your you know your hypothalamus is one of the things that helps to regulate your you know hunger related signals involving hormones like insulin, leptin, ghrelin. Okay, ghrelin is what gives you your hunger signal. Leptin is what comes out of your white adipose tissue and gives you your full signal, basically. So now uh, here's the th- now here's the uh, the interesting part. When they looked at the scans, okay, after when they did the MRIs and they looked at the scans of what was going on, the scans revealed that when drinking glucose, which is sugar, within 15 minutes, the activity in the area of the brain involved with reward and desire for food was suppressed, okay, which led to the feeling of fullness. So basically, they got the full signal after 15 minutes of drinking the sugar uh, sugar laden drinks, regular sugar, okay, but. With fructose, it says here, with fructose, we don't see any of those changes. As a result, the desire to eat continues. It isn't turned off. Now, in fact, fructose not only did not suppress uh, hypothalamic activity, it actually caused a, a small spike instead. Furthermore, Glucose uh, sugar boosted the link between the hypothalamus, the thalamus, and the uh, stradium, while uh, while fructose strengthened the connectivity between the hypothalamus and the thalamus, but not the stradium. Okay, this is important as the stradium also deactivates once your body senses it has eaten enough. Okay, so this is interesting because what this all means in everyday terms is that when you consume fructose or high fructose corn syrup. You may actually be programming your body to consume more calories as fructose fails to trigger the feeling of fullness. And this is part of the problem. This is part of the problem you have with with high fructose corn syrup because now the studies are actually showing it's affecting certain regions of the brain and not giving you enough of the full signal. This is I think this is I think this is uh, extremely important because this is part of the obesio um, this can go hand in hand with part of the obesity over, uh, epidemic. Also, we know from also other studies that people become leptin resistant, and it's showing here that this is actually affecting the hypothalamus. This is, on, this is actually affecting leptin activity in the brain. So, for example, when you're eating your food, the lep- your leptin levels rise. Okay, so leptin now is coming out of your uh, your white adipose tissue. And it's coming also from your from your digestive tract. That's where it comes from, both of those places. And it, it rises and eventually gets to your brain. And once the leptin level is high enough, it triggers, it triggers a signal in your brain that says, okay, I have enough nutrition, I'm full, I'm done, 
and you stop eating and you get the full signal. But if it's actually interfering with leptin levels and, and it's actually not getting to your brain, then you're talking about people overeating. People could be overeating 10%, 15%, it doesn't matter. But the point is, if you're overeating and this is happening regularly, especially when you're consuming fructose on a regular basis, think about that. Think about the extra calories that you're putting into your system. So, you know, this is what this is part of the leptin resistance problem, and this is part of the reason why you have, uh, you know, an obesity epidemic out there. Now, I'm going to go over a couple of things here. Um, because Dr. Robert uh, Lustig, professor of pediatrics at the Division of Endocrinology in the University of California, has been a pioneer in decoding sugar metabolism. And his work has highlighted some of the major differences in how uh, different sugars are broken down and used. And here's what he says. After eating fructose, 100% of the met- metabolic burden rests on your liver. Okay, so fructose does a job. I mean, your liver has to um, has to metabolize fructose a hundred percent. Now, with sugar, your liver has to break it down only twenty percent. Okay, the metabolic of the the metabolism of fructose by your liver creates a long list of waste products and toxins, including large amounts of uric acid, which can drive up blood pressure, which can cause gout and other things. Also. Every cell in your body utilizes glucose, so that's what that's what runs your brain. Glucose runs your brain, basically, okay? And every cell, that's what gives you energy and so on and so forth. Therefore, uh, much of it is burned up and used up immediately after you consume it, okay? Except for some of it that stores glycogen and so on and so forth. But when fructose is consumed, uh, it's turned into free fatty acids or FFAs, okay? So... This has an effect of triglycer- This has an effect on effect on triglycerides, which get stored as fat. This is a problem. Fructose is the uh, you know is um, well when you eat 120 calories of glucose, basically or sugar, less than one calorie is stored as fat. Now 120 calories of fructose results in 40 calories being stored as fat. Okay, and uh, sugar or glucose suppresses your hunger hormone, uh, ghrelin, and stimulates leptin. Okay, so we know that, uh, which again, you know, tells you when you're full or suppresses your appetite. Now, fructose has no effect on ghrelin, and this is where it interferes with the leptin signaling in the brain, which results in overeating. So there you go, people. Okay, this is part of the problem here when it comes to. Uh, high fructose corn syrup and those types of things, um, you know, consuming this on a regular basis. So now you know what part of the problem is. Okay. Uh, and I, 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 you know, I don't have to, you know, I don't have to be a doctor or a genius to kind of figure out that um, I could pretty much, you know, surmise that this is part of uh, the problem out there with the obesity epidemic. So, those of you who want to um, keep yourselves at not only a good weight, but want to, want to eat in harmony with leptin, in harmony with how your body's supposed to uh, work and, harmony, and your hormones in general, and to keep your appetite at bay, don't consume beverages or foods with high fructose corn syrup. Okay? So, you know, again, most of it is labeled on the package. So read the packages, read your packages before you get them. If it says corn syrup or high fructose corn syrup, put it back and get, you know, a better version of it or a healthier version because usually right now out there there's always a healthier version of it. 
and because um, I found I found them, <laughs> I found many of them healthier, or you know at least versions without the fruit, the high fructose corn syrup. And this this includes bread, because many people don't know that bread that that bread is uh, is made with corn syrup. Many of the breads out there are made with corn syrup. So choose a bread, either a sprouted bread or whole grain bread at least that says no high fructose corn syrup on the front. And uh, and I think you guys will be uh, not only happier but uh, healthier for it. Okay. All right. So uh, those are those are the studies for this week. Um, hope you guys are uh, having a great week. And uh, again, I will be back next week with uh, more articles and more interesting topics regarding health and healing. Until then, have a great week, everybody. See you then, and be well. Cloud is powering tomorrow's transformative missions. Federal agencies are partnering with SAIC to help them meet these critical moments, where bold moves require confident blueprints, where you can accelerate transformation through consistency, where you can innovate forward and never look back. SAIC quickly and securely migrates large-scale workloads to the cloud with the confidence you need to assure your mission. Learn more at saic.com cloud. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. Check out the latest footwear innovation from Adidas, the AdiZero Adios Pro 2, which features carbon fiber energy rods that are both lightweight and precisely tuned for a more anatomical transition. Everything from the ultra-light polyester upper to the re-sculpted midsole and the reinvented outsoles are designed for speed. Visit adidas.com to learn more today. If you run a business, Bank of Clark County has you covered offering cash management services to automate and simplify your business banking, streamlined digital banking, and merchant payment processing that's a one-stop solution. Plus, Bank of Clark offers corporate credit cards that help you optimize capital, organize expenses, and enhance your business. Whether you're looking to earn points faster or lower your APR, Bank of Clark County has the card that's right for you. Member FDIC.